the Lord, as I was praying for this message, the Lord just began showing me in illustrations that we are flying at a new, a different altitude in the spirit with what's happening in our nation, with what we've seen happening around the globe. And if you've ever traveled on an airplane, the flight attendants before every single flight will go over what to do in case of oxygen levels lowering inside the cabin. And sometimes we get so used to it, we just will go, we'll read our books, we'll go on our phone and we kind of ignore the signs. But if something were to change and to happen, I did research and they said what happens when the oxygen lowers in the, ca the cabin pressures, it one will affect the pilots. What it does to our bodies is it causes confusion and disorientation. And it causes them to forget sometimes where they are. And so one of the things that they do as they explain if, if this were to happen, is they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first. If you have a family, if you have kids, sometimes the reaction is, I've got to get it on my kids first. I've got to get it on those who might not know it. But they always say you've got to get it on yourself first before you help others. Because if something were to change and shift and happen to you, then what about the people who are under you? And so there's the same with the Holy Spirit. You know, we have people here who are hungry for God and they want to go out, they want to pray, they want to see God move in their workplaces. But unless you have the Holy Spirit flowing in your body, you're going to be of no help to other people. You've got to allow you, and what God does is he gives you that authority to turn around and to begin helping people. That was the image that the Lord wants us to see as we go into the scriptures and as we pray over his word this morning. And so at the end of the message, as we sing that song again, we're going to allow opportunities for people who just need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so let's just pray now. Uh, before we open the word of God and, and just believe for God to speak to us where we are. Some of you this morning, you need it. You need breakthrough this morning. And so Heavenly Father, we ask as we have worshiped God, as we have let our faith arise and we've lifted you up, we ask you right now as we break bread, as we open the word of God, we believe that in the worship that hearts have been softened, minds have been opened, eyes have been opened. And as we share from your word, God, we pray that it would stick to us, God, that it would, Lord, that we would understand it. Lord, it would be relevant to what we're going through right now. Lord, we need a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, God. We need it in us. We need it in our churches again, God. Lord, if we want to see this nation be one nation under God again, it's going to start in the churches, God. It's going to start in the individual Christ followers who are filled with your spirit, oh God. And Lord, that's what we are desiring this morning. Help us as we teach, God. We teach what it means as we teach what, it, what we need to be doing to put ourselves in that place this morning, oh God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. What an amazing, amazing time in his presence. Amen. God's presence is here. And so what we want to do is we want to look into the word of God and what does it mean to be filled with the spirit? And if I could ask you by a show of hands, how many of you are in here this morning and you're just worn out and you're weary from life? How many of you just feel like maybe you've failed God sometimes or you've had good intentions of wanting to spread Jesus wherever you were, but you just lacked boldness, you lacked courage? Anyone in here can agree with that? So... We want to talk about what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people shy away from this because they're afraid of it. They have preconceived thoughts. They've witnessed things that maybe weren't necessarily genuine moves of the Holy Spirit. And so we shy away from it and we become afraid. And, but it's the very thing that if we're going to be true Christ followers, we need. We cannot operate and do what God has called us to do without the filling of the Holy Spirit. We just can't. Just like those oxygen masks, if the oxygen pressure goes down in the cabins, you cannot help others put their masks on if you don't have it on yourself. You need to be breathing in that life to be able to help other people. And in the same way, we have to have the Holy Spirit operating in our lives to be able to help people and do what God has called us to do. Amen? So the title of the message or the thought process is Getting Back to the Roots. We need to go back to the roots. We need to go back to the beginning. And the Lord was showing me this, this tree, this massive tree, and the size of it represented just longevity. And what it was was 
the church and the impact of the church. And there were people looking at this tree, but they couldn't decipher what it was. And what the Lord was showing me is, from the time the Holy Spirit was poured out to now, there have been so many fake things, apostasies that have risen up that have caused a lot of people to have confusion when it comes to the church. And what the Lord led me to do is look back at the roots of this tree. And what we have to do as believers is if we've fallen, in, fallen into prey of, of, of looking and, and seeing things that shouldn't be, and we have to go back to what Jesus did when he left and he gave the assignment to the disciples. If you're ever confused in life, if you're ever frustrated, or you're, the truth you just seem is, is, is not clear, we have to go back to the word of God. We have to go back to what God says. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. And starting in verse 3, I'm not going to read through all of it just because of time. We're going to read it and just go through it verse by verse. And that's what I just believe God wants to do. He wants to reset the church to go back to the roots, to go back to what the disciples did when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And we saw a massive amount of growth. Do we want to see God bring growth to our church? We want to see God bring growth to our church through the ministries, through the new youth expansion, through our children's ministries. We want to see God to do that. And I believe it's going to be if we as a church in one accord can be on the same page and desire the filling of the Holy Spirit. And there's no telling what God will do in that. Amen? So starting in chapter 1 of Acts verse 3, it says, He presented himself alive to them. After his sufferings, by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus has been crucified, he has, he's died on the cross, he's been put in the grave, and now he has resurrected, and now he is speaking to his disciples. And one of the themes that we're doing in the youth ministry is we are doing a teaching through Matthew 5. We're going back to the Sermon on the Mount. And it's just been an awesome study. Tara spoke last week. Rosita's going to be speaking this Wednesday. David's going to speak the following Wednesday. And it's just been awesome getting into God's word and going back to the sermons that Jesus preached for his people. And the youth are it's, you should see what God is doing in the youth group. It's amazing. They're hungry for God. They're attentive. And so we just believe it's a part of what God is doing in our church. And so one of Jesus' central core messages when he was here on earth as a human was the kingdom of God. That's what he preached. That was what his passion was. That's what got people saved, but it's also what, got put, it's also what put Jesus on the cross. And what's amazing about this first verse that we just read is Jesus was crucified, he died, and now he's speaking and preaching for these 40 days. And one of the things we notice is he did not change the message. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to get persecuted and beat, and I don't know if I'm going to want to have that same boldness unless I have the Holy Spirit. Because if it's, if, that, if it's that same message that put me on a cross, I don't know if I'm going to be as vocal about it after. But we see that Jesus spoke about it in his last 40 days. It was just as important before he died as when after he rose. Because he knew that's what the disciples needed to carry in order for the church to expand and to grow. And so what's important to us as believers is if God fills us with his spirit, we can't bow down to the culture, what the world tells us we need to preach. We have to speak the word. Word of God in authority. We have to speak it in grace. We have, to, but we have to speak it in truth. We don't back down from what God says. Jesus didn't do it. He still preached the kingdom of God even after that. He goes on to say in verse four, it says, "And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise." of the Father. This is important. Jesus didn't give them an option. He said, if you're going to be my followers, he said he ordered them to wait because he knew the importance of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They didn't realize that Jesus was literally going to leave them in that moment, but he said he ordered them to go back to Jerusalem and to wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so maybe you haven't been filled by the Spirit before. Maybe you've prayed for it and it hasn't happened yet. Well, this Scripture is telling you that there's a process, there's a waiting that needs to happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen immediately, and that's okay, but we still have to pray, we still have to seek it. 
We have to understand the importance of it. And I think through this teaching, as you begin to understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to begin to have a hunger and realize, I can't leave this church building and go to my workplace and go back to my family dynamics unless I have that filling. And I just believe this summer, that's what we have to make our prayer, is God, fill us with your spirit. Maybe you've been filled before, but you just need a, a, a refresher, a course. And sometimes that happens, and people who are out of school for a while, and they go back, they take refresher courses. And so I just believe that that's what God wants to do. The other thing about the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, it's, it's that it's the promise of his Father. And some of you in here have had fathers in your lives who have maybe been existent, but maybe haven't been there. Maybe your father's left, or and, and so you have that mindset of, of well, I don't know what a, a true father is supposed to do. A father is supposed to be someone who protects and who provides. And if that's been fractured in your life, and you say, well, if the Holy Spirit is a gift and a promise from our God, I don't want any part of it, because I haven't gotten any good promises from my father. That can fracture the, our wanting and our desire of the Holy Spirit. I didn't have a father growing up, and it was a struggle for me. It was a struggle to... To, and I, des I always desired that. I desired that relationship. I, I grew up in the church, and I looked up to a lot of men who were in the church, and, and, but I just, I, I, it was a big struggle for me. And I remember when I graduated Bible school one year, I came back, and this one individual in the church who, who I looked up to, I wouldn't say I looked up to as a father figure, but I just looked up to him as a man of God. He pulled me aside one time, and he promised me that he would get me new suits because I was a fresh Bible school graduate and coming into the ministry. And, and I was excited. I, I, I didn't ask for it, and I didn't de desire. I wasn't even, but he came and said that to me, and, and I, I was excited, and week went by, two weeks went by, months went by, years went by. And the enemy used that as, as something to this promise. And, and again, I'm not going to go up to him and remind him of that because he promised it. And so in my mind, I just tuck, tucked it away and I put it out. And, and I just, I didn't think about it, but I didn't realize that the enemy had used that in my life to show me of a broken promise from someone else. And fast forward many years later, I got a call from a friend out of nowhere and he said, I was praying, and the Lord told me to take you out and buy you some suits. And he even thought it was a weird request, he, but he was obedient to the, to the Lord speaking. And he drove down, he took me to the store, he got me measured, he treated me to dinner. And when I told him the story, he almost broke down in tears. And what the Lord showed both of us is that our God is a good father. And when he promises us things, he will bring them to completion. And so if the Holy Spirit is a promise of our Heavenly Father, then we have to embrace that, even if we've had a lacking. Jesus says to go and wait for the promise of the Father. Anything that comes from God is going to be good for us. It might not seem like it sometimes. There might be seasons of stretching and, and God just doing new things, but anything that comes from God is going to be good. And it doesn't matter what's happened in your past. It doesn't matter what people have said to you. It doesn't matter what's been broken in your past. If you seek God as your heavenly father and he promises you something, it's going to be good for you and it's going to be beneficial for you. Amen? He goes on to say, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. And then he goes on to say, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This was important because we teach baptism in our church. Those who want to be baptized, we don't just fill up the tank and let them come in. We, they go through a baptism class because you have to understand what baptism really is. And a lot of people think, well, if, I, if I'm baptized, then that's salvation. That's incorrect, and you'll learn that in the class if you haven't been baptized yet and you want to do that. Baptism is an outward expression showing the world that we want to be Christ followers. And we believe when you go under the water, it's, it's a significant illustration of God. It's, it's death to the old life, and as you come back up, you live this new life. And the, the waters of baptism clean. They cleanse any sin. They cleanse any brokenness in your life. And what I love about this is Jesus is saying, 
You know, John baptized with water, but the Holy Spirit is going to come and baptize with fire. Water is kind of, it's the outward expression. We see it. But when the Holy Spirit fills you, it's a fire that starts within you. And that's important because when the Holy Spirit fire comes in, it begins to burn away the things that the enemy has been holding in your life. That broken promise from that man at that other church, the Holy Spirit used that in my life and brought another person, raised up another person to say that I am your father and that I have good things for you and I want you to seek after me, not after man. And so the Holy Spirit fire comes in and it burns from within, it purges from within, it cleanses from within so that God can fill us with what he wants to do, fill us with his gifts and his purposes. And that's what we have to seek after. I don't know about you, but some of you, how many of you go to the car wash? You know, it's so funny how, you know, I see some people, they'll go to the car wash and it's like their car is barren spanking new, but then you get in the car. So growing up, I had this best friend and I'm not going to say his name, but his mom my goodness, every time I'd sleep over his house and she'd come to pick me up, you'd have to push past the McDonald's cups and there was barely enough room to sit. You'd see fries that were sitting there that still looked the same, but they were hard as rock and the smell. Every time I opened the, the door, it was like the smell punched you in the face. The car was always clean on the outside, but every time I sat in, it was, a, it was about a 20-minute drive from my house to my friend's house, and I had to see how long I could hold my breath just because of the smell inside that car. And so sometimes what we do as Christians is we, we cleanse the outside, but we, we neglect to deal with the things on the inside. And so what happens is we create these shallow relationships where we allow people only a certain distance, but then when they start to see a little bit more, they realize that there's something in us that's affecting us. And what the Holy Spirit does, that fire, it's like when you go to the car wash, you don't just get the outside washed. They have trash barrels there that you can throw all your trash in yourself. You can vacuum it, get rid of that smell. They have all kinds of air fresheners that you can use. And let me tell you, it's a great feeling when everything is clean, when it's not just the outside, but the inside. And I believe it's the same spiritually, that when the Holy Spirit fire comes, it tackles those areas on the inside. So that way, when we want to get into relationships, when we want to do what God has called us to do, it doesn't affect us. We don't have all of those fears and those anxieties. And that was what was so important, why Jesus ordered them. He said, if you are going to do what I've called you to do, you need the Holy Spirit in your life. We see in Peter's life, he was a disciple, and he, he, we believe he genuinely would, and he said to the Lord, I would go with you even to the cross, but then we see that he denied Jesus three times. But we see this amazing thing when Jesus rose again, he restored him to his original position. And what was amazing is Peter was used as one of the most powerful and influential movements of the church, but it was after the Holy Spirit came and fell on him. We need that extra power and that extra cleansing of the Holy Spirit to do what God has called us to do. And it's not just as adults. We need it in the teenagers. The teenagers, teens, you have to be hungry for God. You have to be speaking and, and desiring to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you can't be as effectual as you want in your schools unless the Holy Spirit is in your life. He will give you that courage. He will give you that boldness, whether it's to start a Bible club, whether it's start to, to reach out to your friend who comes to you and tells you that he's He's going through something, the Holy Spirit comes and he gives you that boldness and that courage. And we pray that even over our children. We want our kids and the children's church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God can do that. We see in the scriptures that babies, John was filled with the Holy Spirit from his womb. We believe that the Spirit can touch babies even in their womb that God has a plan and a purpose. And so this Holy Spirit, this message going back to the roots is so crucial for us because sometimes we feel stuck. And I believe a lot of people feel stuck now with what happened the past couple years. And we've heard it, even some of the teenagers, they feel stuck. They feel like their passion, their fire has gone out. What's gonna bring back that fire is asking God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen? Verse six goes on to say, so then... They had come together. So they were obedient, so they came together, and they asked him. So the disciples all came together, and they says that they asked Jesus, Lord, will you ask Israel? This is another moment in the disciples' life of wrong question and the wrong place. And let me tell you, the questions that we ask reflect the mindsets that we have. I'll say that again. The questions that we ask sometimes reflect the mindsets that we have. I'll give you a practical example. If Tara and I have cake at the house, and there's one more piece of cake left, and I ask her, do you want that piece of cake? 
I'm basically saying I want that cake, but I just want to make sure I get your approval that you don't want it so that I can eat it. One morning, uh, Madeline came and woke us up first thing on a Saturday morning. Saturdays are our family days. And she says, can we go to Hope Creamery for ice cream? And the translation of that is, I want ice cream. And so you can tell by the questions that people ask where their mindset is. And so the disciples did not yet get this kingdom principle yet, this kingdom mentality. They didn't get it yet because they were thinking about their own circumstances. So what do I mean by that? Well, Israel at this time was under political, the political domination of Rome, and the Jews were very unhappy with the situation, and they wanted God to intervene. Can you say that the Bible is relevant to today? The disciples were angry because they had another nation, the government that was in power over them was causing frustration, was hard to do what God had called them to do. And what they wanted God to do is, if you're coming to restore this kingdom, then restore Israel. Get rid of the Romans. Get rid of those who are in power over us, who are not godly, who are not... How many of you have pr began praying that prayer before? And it's okay to pray that, but Jesus had to remind them. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So the questions for us as believers, we've got to stop asking God, when are you going to do things in our government? When are you going to change situations? We're tired of, of the culture. We're tired of the laws being changed. As kingdom builders, it needs to be about the Holy Spirit. God has, Jesus had a mission on earth. It wasn't to overthrow the Romans. It was to share the kingdom of God to the lost. It was to seek and to save those who were lost. And that has to be our mission. And when the Holy Spirit fills us, it changes our mindset. So we no longer ask those kind of questions that the disciples were asking. And what I find very interesting is that word times and that word seasons. In the Greek, that word times is chronos. So it, it could be either a long or a short time. And then that, that word seasons in the Greek is kardos, which means opportune or seasonable time. And so what we are doing is we're believing for God to bring changes in our government, in our, but that can't be the focus. What Jesus was saying is get your eyes off of the Romans, get your eyes off of the government, and put your eyes on me. Wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He will come and he will direct your thoughts. The questions that we often ask reflect our mindset. The same in our pasts. Some of you in here have experienced trauma in your past. And a lot of the questions that people who go through traumatic experiences are, why would you allow me to go through that, God? Why would you allow that person to do that? Why would you allow that person to say that? Why would you allow that family to do this? But when the Holy Spirit fills you, the questions begin to change. You don't ask God, why did this person do it to me? Your question remains, God, who is in my way that needs for me to pray for them, to lay hands on them, and to pray for God to fill them with the Holy Spirit? That's what changes and shifts in your own life. It did it in my own life. I used to question God, why did I go through what I went through? But now my prayer is always, God, who can you give me eyes to see that have gone through the same things that I can speak life and share what Jesus did in my life? When the Holy Spirit fills you, he changes your mindset and it changes the questions that you ask God. And that's what Jesus was doing. He wasn't rebuking them. He was just telling you it is not time for you to know times or seasons that the power is fixed by his own authority or power. That word power in the Greek is exousa and it's the power or rule of government. We need to leave that to God. He is in control of who leads nations. The scriptures say that king's hearts are like a water course in the hands of the Lord. He directs things. And so even though we may not agree with it, even though we may be frustrated with it, as disciples to Jesus, it's not our job to change it. It's our job to pray, to seek and to save those who are lost, to be filled with the spirit. And maybe one day God will send people, leaders who are spirit-filled, to help change laws and rewrite new things so that we can again become a nation under God. But Jesus was again saying, take your eyes off of government. Take your eyes, this is what God is in control. Amen. But what I love is he goes on to say, and he said to them, it is not for, 
you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But look what verse 8 says, but you will receive power. So we see the same word power, but in the Greek it means something else. When Jesus, when Jesus said that it is God's power or authority, it was exousa, which was a governmental authority. But he says when the Holy Spirit comes and receives it, you're going to receive power. And this power is a dunamis power. What that means is it's a a strength power. It's uh, an exerting power, a power to perform miracles. It's a power residing in a thing or which a person exerts and puts forth. It's a power consisting in or resting upon armies, forces, or hosts. Does anyone want the Holy Spirit this morning? We know some of your workplaces. And you, it's like you need that dunamis power to go into the workplaces to change things. Some of you need that dunamis power in your family because the enemy has had such a stronghold in your family for so long. But when the Holy Spirit fills you, he gives you this dunamis power, this power of forces, of armies. And you have power and authority to break those strongholds, to break those family lines, to bring deliverance because the Holy Spirit is in you and you have that authority. Amen? So this morning, if you had no desire of the Holy Spirit, we pray that this teaching will give you that desire as you see what it really means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So he goes on to say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. That word witnesses in the Greek is spelled out M-A-R-T-Y-S, where we get the word martyrs. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are going to become witnesses. So that word witnesses, witness in a legal sense, of historical sense, is one who is a spectator of anything. So we didn't get to see the works of Jesus. But by faith in his word, we still get to be witnesses of what Jesus did on earth. But the other thing of what that word witness means, it means those who after his example or her example have proved the strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ by undergoing undergoing a violent death. And so this is where it can be scary. And we know in the life of Peter that Jesus prophesied over him and said, you are going to be crucified. And he didn't tell him that ahead of time to scare him. He told him that ahead of time so that he would know that he would stand for Christ because the Holy Spirit was within him. He may not have done it the first time. He may have denied him three times the first time, but what Jesus was saying is you're going to stand for me. You will stand for me and you'll be led where you don't want to go. And so we might not all carry that name tag of martyr. Most of us in here might not become a martyr in the sense of a violent death. But the gospel and the church of God has grown because many people have been killed. But they stood on the truth of God. Amen? I want to share a quick story of a woman whose name was Anne Askew. Have any of you heard of her before? Anne Askew was born around the time of Henry VIII when he was in rule, and she was born into a noble family, and her sister was pledged to be married to this man, but when Anne was 15 years old, she died, and so the father wanted to save finances, and he said to her, you're going to take the place and you're going to marry the man that your your sister was going to marry. And so she reluctantly did it out of obedience, and Anne became a Protestant. She became hungry for God. She became a Christian, but this man that she married was a devout Catholic, and he didn't like that she was a Protestant. And so that caused friction in their marriage. He abused her in their marriage. She became one of the first women to ask for a divorce from the king. And what ended up happening is her husband, she had two kids at that time, basically kicked her out. He couldn't convert her back to Catholicism because Anne stood on her faith. She stood on the word of God. And so he kicked her out. So Anne took that as an opportunity to go to London. And what she would do is she would read the the, the Bible. She would have these private meetings with other women and they would study the word of God. And what Anne would do is she would go on the street corners and she would preach to people who couldn't understand or understand how to read. And they said that people would come from all over to hear her recitations of scripture and what she was saying. But then King Henry VIII, to try and pacify relationships with the Catholic Church, he made it a law that you could no longer speak out as a woman the word of God in the streets. 
And so Anne said, forget you. This is what God has called me to do. So at one point she was arrested because her divorce didn't go through. So she got sent back to where her husband was. She escaped prison, and when she did, she went back to London, and she began preaching the word of God in the streets. King Henry, we know he was a crazy guy. I won't go into details, but he killed a lot of people. One of his latest wives at that time, she was a strong woman, and she was a devout Protestant Christian. And she had relationships with her and Anne and these other women. And it got to a point where one of the right-hand mans of King Henry III did not like what they were doing. So he thought to himself, I'm going to devise a plan so I can get rid of the queen and get rid of Anne. And so what they did is they arrested the other women for heresy, and they arrested Anne, and they put her in the tower. And, and, and what, what you would do is when you were arrested and you were put in this tower, they would put you in front of a rack. And what they would do is they would put a man in the rack and they would stretch him beyond belief where his tendons would break and he would become dislocated. And what they would do is they would sit the person there and have them watch it. And they would say, this is what we're going to do to you unless you give us names. But because Anne was of noble birth and because she was a woman, the, that person who was the right-hand person of King Henry VIII said, we're going to just cut out the middle person. We're not even going to put man in there. We're going to put her in there. And so they tied Anne to the racks and they began to pull it. And it became to the point where it said her body was so taut that it was raised five inches above the table. And to the point that the executioner even left the room because of what she was going through. And they kept asking her, give us names. And she remained silent. They ended up having to release the queen and these other women because of Anne's silence. And when the executioner ran out, the two other men in there, they says that she was in such pain that they revived her and they did it again. They said every tendon in her body was snapped. They said her muscles were pulled and torn beyond repair. Her wrists, her ankles, her elbows, everything was dislocated. And they sentenced her to be killed by, by fire. So what they did is after they did it three more times, they tossed her in a prison cell to await her death. And it says they set the date for her to be executed and she still remained silent. And it says that when they brought her to the, the stake to be burned, she couldn't even walk. So they sat her in a chair and brought her to the stake. Then they made a fire and what they did is they made sure that the fire would burn slowly so that she would suffer more. And it says that as she was passing away, it says she didn't even speak one word or yell out in pain until the fire had reached her chest. But Anne gave up her life at 25 years old. But the gospel of God was spread in London because Anne did not change the message based on her circumstances. We read stories like this and we can say as a believer, I could never do that. And the truth of the matter is we, we can't. But when the Holy Spirit gives us that dunamis power, we can stand in boldness no matter what. Amen. We may not be burned at the stake, but teens, it may affect your relationship with certain people in your school when you stand for God. It may change the dynamics of friendships, but we don't change the message based on that. Parents, we don't change who we are and because of what our kids are going through. We have to get them in the word of God. We have to lead by example. We have to tell them to turn off whatever it is. This is we're going to church today because we need to hear from God. People in your workplaces, it might change when you begin to ask coworkers if they need prayer. But the thing is, is we always focus on the negative. We always think if I let people know I'm a Christian, then I'm going to lose those people. You don't realize that if you let people know that you're a Christian and you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you may change them and their lives forever. Amen? And the enemy does not want you to realize that. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is talking about the, it's the principle of proximity. Whenever, and what I mean by that is whenever God does something in you, he's got to do it in you first. You want to see your family saved? You want to see your family changed? You want to see your classroom changed? You want to see your work environment changed? You've got to allow God to do the work inside you first. And that was the spread of the gospel. The Holy Spirit didn't start at the ends of the world. He started in the disciples who were in Jerusalem. And then when God moved there, it spread to the other cities and it spread to the other nations. Ends or uttermost in the Greek is eschatos. And what that means is extreme or it's the last place, the farthest and the final. 
That's how God moves. He starts inward, and then as the Holy Spirit moves, it spreads outward. And Jesus will come back at that time where the last person hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not going to come back until everyone has now had an opportunity to accept or reject him. And we as believers have to allow God to fill us first. Don't think you're going to reach your workplaces, you're going to reach people in the supermarkets, unless God has changed and filled you first. I want to show you um, a picture. So a couple Fridays ago, as you know, we're getting a lot of work done in the the new uh, youth expansion, and uh, we've gotten a couple new rooftop units. I was here on a Friday, and the electricians were on the roof, and so they came into my office and they said, I need your help because I need you to monitor one of the, um, the faceplates so I can go on the roof. And in my head, I was frustrated because I had things to do and I knew it was going to take them a while. So I had to go to the one that was in the hallway in pastor's office. And so I'm standing there waiting for this guy. I can hear him going up on the ladder and pitter-patting on the roof. And I'm sitting there thinking, I have other things to do and this is taking a long time. But Paul, if you could put up a picture of that newspaper. As I was standing there, there's this plaque that's outside of pastor's office. It is an article that was written about our church being established in Providence, Rhode Island. And as I was reading it, the Lord began pulling out little things that went right along with the message about going back to our roots. Our pastors started this church by prayer, and it was by faith. And God has brought growth in our church by prayer and by faith. And so when things can get frustrated, what COVID has done to the church world is crazy. And people are, people are crazy sometimes. They're confused. They're, they're going nuts. And so even for us, what we need to do is we've got to go back to our roots and remember, what was it that brought growth to our church? What was it that caused God to move? If you could put the, the next clip up. This was one of the things. It said, it's funny. It said, Mr. Swamidi. <laughs> I've always called, he's always pastor but the, the person who wrote the article said, I'm going to say, Pastor Samini said that although he was brought up Catholic and believed in God, he did not have a relationship with the Lord until someone spoke to him about the Bible, and he began attending an Assemblies of God church in South Atterboro, Mass. So even going back to the roots of what God did in our pastor, God did a work in him first, and then he birthed in him the vision of our church. And I just thought that was so powerful. If you could put the next slide up. Another part of the article said some 70 to 90% of those who came to us, this is what pastor was saying, came to us through the invitation of a family member, a friend, or relative from someone they know and trust, he said, adding that those personal contacts cannot be underestimated. We can't sit in church and just pray people in. We've got to go out. That says 70 to 90% of church growth came from you going out, being filled with the Spirit, and bringing people in to have that same experience. If we want to see growth, we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this. If you could put the next slide up. Another one said, I love this. He says, you can't get up one Sunday and say suddenly. We can't expect those who are unchurched who are not going to get up one Sunday and say suddenly, let's go to church. What you have to do, he says, is reach people where they are. And I just thought that was so cool, reaching people, because that's part of our theme. That's part of our vision statement. It's reaching the lost, restoring the broken, and reviving the believer. And the next slide, one more. Besides regularly sending people door-to-door, Victory Assembly of God conducts outreaches in the park in front of the church several times during the summer, passing out Christian literature and holding testimonies and offering puppet shows, drama, and music. We are still doing that 30-plus years later because God changed the heart of one person, filled them with the Spirit, and now three buildings later, God is still moving. Pastor Maureen just took out a team on Saturday down to Providence to preach the word of God. Some of the people are even here from those outreaches. You may be here because <clears throat> someone from this church reached out to you. So again, if we want to see God bring growth to our church, we've got to go back to our roots. We've got to go back to what God did in the very beginning. And we are going to see God to begin to change and shift things in the atmosphere. Amen? It doesn't matter what COVID did. It doesn't matter what all this other stuff did. We go back to the roots of what God had, and God will bring growth. God will bring people. He will change situations, but it's got to start with you. Amen? And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took them out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, he went 
And as he went, he said, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is important because sometimes as Christians, we can get caught gazing. We can get caught looking into the clouds, waiting for Jesus to come back. With what we have, are seeing happen in our nation now around the world, it's like there are people praying, Jesus, come back, because it's getting overwhelming. But I love what Je Jesus could have popped his head back in the cloud and said, what are you doing? I just told you to go. And it says that when they saw him go and they left, it's like they didn't know what to do. But he told them what to do. Sometimes as believers, we forget what Jesus tells us to do, and we have to be reminded. So he sends two men to remind them, what are you doing looking up into the clouds? The same Jesus who left is going to come back the same way. Get to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to be told, stop staring at the sky and get your eyes on getting filled with the Spirit so that you can fulfill the Great Commission, what Jesus has told us to do. Amen? And as we wrap up, I'm going to have the worship team just come back. We need the Holy Spirit in our church. We need the Holy Spirit in our nation. Ryan Hardbonke once said this, the less Holy Spirit we have, the more cake and coffee we need to keep the church going. It's a funny statement, but it's true. We don't need gizmos and gadgets. We're excited for this youth expansion. But let me tell you what, in the middle of this youth expansion, we actually have less room right now. We don't have the speakers, we don't have the media, the pro, pro presenter, PowerPoints, and all that stuff that we had before, but we're seeing God still bring growth. Amen. We don't need all of that stuff. The church, the church didn't have that. When the Holy Spirit fell, it didn't have a building, it didn't have a budget, it didn't have plans in place, but thousands of people were added to the church. So why do we think we need all of this stuff for growth to come? All of this stuff is good. It helps to further it. But if we keep our eyes on, we need this, this, and this for God to bring the growth, then we've stopped looking at the roots. We've looked away from what God, how God brought growth to the church. It's, it's, it's people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who have no idea what to do, who feel unvalued, who feel unworthy, who don't feel that they can do anything for God's kingdom. Those are the people who God is looking for, who can humbly say, I have nothing to offer, but fill me with your Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes in, he burns all those things away, and he changes things. That's what we need. Reinhard Bonnke also said, there is no such thing as another Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes to stay. We don't have to pray for another upper room type environment, but here at these altars, here in our lives, in our homes can be a sanctuary where we ask God to come and refill us. If you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit and you feel like I'm, I'm, the needle in my gas tank is, is on E, and as you know, it's, gas is not cheap, so we need the Holy Spirit. But if you feel like your tank is on empty, and you don't know what to do moving forward, or you leave church and you go back to the same vices, the same addictions, the Holy Spirit is what's going to change that. If you seek it and allow him to come in, the Holy Spirit is a good thing. Amen? As we close, I want to talk about the principle of the empty seat. And what I mean by that is what COVID has done in churches is it caused a lot of families to just be complacent with watching online and not being engaged anymore. What COVID did to a lot of people is it raised up issues that were already there. And we've seen families across our district. Our superintendent said it himself that, that the, the numbers of churches are going down because people are just, they're getting crazy and they're leaving. And what we're seeing is more empty seats. But I want to share a moment where the Holy Spirit Pour, was about to pour out on them. And it says in verse 12, when they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered and went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the 
women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. There is no, there's no boundaries to the Holy Spirit being poured out, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you have had an incredibly broken past or you've been raised in the church your whole life. Everyone was there in one accord. It doesn't matter what you've come from, but if you can come, no matter what your background is, the Holy Spirit will be poured out. But there was an empty seat with the disciples. We need to talk about Judas. This man who followed Jesus for three years, doing miracles, doing all these different things. And what he did is he traded in Jesus for money. There was greed in his heart that he did not allow Jesus to penetrate. And it caused him to leave the church, leave the group. And the disciples could have gotten all out of shape and said, we had 12, but now we only have 11. How are we going to accomplish what God wants to do? Sometimes we stare so much at the empty seats thinking that that's going to affect the move of God. But God is not looking at the empty seats and getting all worried. What he's doing is when he sees an empty seat, he raises someone else who will fill that seat. And that's what God is going to do as he moves in our church. Don't worry about who's left or who's doing this or who's doing that. It goes on to say, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, and it says in verse 16, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in the ministry. There are people in the church who are numbered among us, and the problem is, is we're not, it's not our, our duty to force them to do what God wants. Everyone has to make a choice if they want to do it. And what I love is Peter didn't ignore the fact that they had an empty seat. He shared with them and said, this man was given the opportunity to have ministry and to do ministry. But look what he goes on to say. It says, verse 18, Now this man acquired a field with the rewards of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, of Jerusalem that the field was called, in their own language, Akeldema, which is the field of blood. Because what was used for that, the purchase of that field was blood money. And what Judas did is he hung himself. And a lot of people think it's about a rope, but hanging in the biblical days was just putting a spear in the ground and falling on it. And that's what it's saying is he gave up his life. And what it goes on to say is, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. When we move away from the ministry and what God wants us to do, it puts us in a season of desolation and not the good desolation. Those who choose not to follow God and choose not to walk in what he has for him become desolate in their lives. There's community in the family of God. And I'm going to have you stand up as we pray. The scripture goes on to say in verse 20, May his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. God can restore believers. We believe that. We believe people can leave and go through something and you're always welcome to come back and God can bring restoration. But there are some people who just, they walk out and that's it. But God always raises up more people. We have to stop looking at the empty seats and look to say, God, who have you called me to raise up? And that's what the disciples did. So one of the men who had accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to the resurrection. In verse 23, and they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who knows the hearts of all, show which one of these you have chosen to take the place in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Don't worry about the people who choose to go aside to their own place and the things that they want to do. The church that I came from, there was a couple that I remember, they walked out of the church and they told my pastor all the things that they thought were wrong and they left thinking that God, that, that God was going to bring a new church in them. And I was affected by that because I looked up to this couple. And you know what I found out years later? They went and did their own church and that church fell apart. That person's marriage fell apart. And to this day, he, he's living in desolation, away from his daughters, away from his family. We don't need to worry about what people are doing. And we have to focus on God. We have to be filled with the Spirit. He will put people in our lives. And these seats will be filled because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what we want to do. Not look at the lack. But they already raised up two more people and said, we're going to fill this in because God is moving. And so at this time, we are going to just pray. We're going to keep these altars open. 
And we just want to encourage you that if you are stuck this morning and you might be thinking, man, I, I never looked at the Holy Spirit that way and I'm still kind of iffy on what it's all about. If you have a desire and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to keep this side of the altar open for teens and for adults. If you're stuck in addiction, you're stuck in just the thinking of your own mind and all of this stuff, if you feel like, I do want to have boldness, I do want to have courage, and I've never been filled, we're going to ask you to come and just stand here. If you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but maybe you feel like you're running on fumes right now, and you just need a, a, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, we're going to keep this altar open. And we're going to have elders and pastoral staff just lay hands and we're not going to force anything but we believe that God has given authority to lay hands so that's what the disciples did they would always lay hands and people would be become filled to the spirit so again I'm going to close in prayer we do want to ask there is a meeting in the cafe so following this service um, we'll give a little bit more of extension for it for people who might be at the altars but do not leave this sanctuary unless you begin that prayer, vocalizing that, God, I desire your Holy Spirit. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit isn't just for the church growth. The Holy Spirit comes to change your marriage. Maybe your marriage needs change right now. As a husband, you're like, I just don't feel like I'm leading my family the right way. The Holy Spirit, when he fills you, he gives you the courage to lead your family. Wives who are just tired and worn out, maybe you've been praying for your kids and you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you that perseverance and endurance to pray the right prayers at the right time. Even if he wakes you up at three in the morning, he's going to give you a prayer to pray that's going to break something off that the enemy is doing to your children. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Teens, some of you are graduating this year and you're saying, I need to be filled with the Spirit because I'm afraid of what's out there. I'm afraid of what what's going to happen in the world. The Holy Spirit comes on and he gives you that assurance, that boldness to walk in what you are called to walk in. And so I'm going to pray. And at the end, same thing. Those who want to be filled for the first time, please come up here. Those who want to be freshly filled, just come to this side. And we're going to just take some time to pray and, and let God do his thing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that is here. And right now, we just ask for those who have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, as we've gone back to the roots of what it means, God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We see in Acts chapter 2 what happened after the Holy Spirit came. It said that power came on them, that they began to speak in tongues. God, that people were added to the church and became saved. There was a boldness. There was growth when the Holy Spirit came. And Lord, we just pray that right now, that we break off any past thoughts of what people thought it might be. And we just pray right now that they would understand that this is a good promise from our good Father. That the Holy Spirit comes to change mindsets, to help us. You are the great helper, Holy Spirit. And we just ask and we invite your presence to come in right now. Lord, for those who need a fresh filling, God, maybe it's just been what's happened the past couple years. Maybe it's been family dynamics. Maybe it's just been the lack of a prayer life and they're just on fumes. We pray that this side right here would be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit that no one would leave this property unless they've been touched by you, God, equipped by you to go out into the world and do what you've called us to do. Change our questions this morning, oh God. Change our, 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 our mindsets this morning, oh God, by your Holy Spirit. Fill in the gaps, God, for the empty seats, God. <clears throat> Take our eyes off the empty seats, God, and put them on those that you are raising up to fill in the gaps so that your kingdom can continue to grow in our area, oh God. We pray that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you again. If you need prayer, come to either side depending on what you want. And we're going to have time to just lay hands and to pray with you. God bless. Spirits of rushing wind, fire of God, fall with you.